Hey, everybody, it's Ryan Ripley. Wanted to get a new offering in front of you as soon as possible, evidence-based leadership. And so, as you all know, Todd Miller, myself, and Will Seeley, we're big on evidence-based management. We want to apply it to the leadership space. We all know that modern managers face complex challenges every day. You're juggling a lot of needs, your direct reports, your stakeholders, your customers, they all need constant attention. What we want to do is help you manage that. We want you to use information and data to make good decisions around all of these areas so that we're delivering the right thing at the right time for the right customer. And we know that we're doing that because we're using data and evidence to validate all the things that we're doing. And not only that, we're not just looking at value, but we're looking at our capabilities as an organization. Can we deliver on time? Can we innovate effectively? Do we have too much tech debt? Do we have too many things in process? Are we unable to deliver when the market demands that we do? We look at all of these things with evidence-based management. We merge that into a leadership uh, mindset and lens, and we enable you to make new and better decisions repeatedly based off of the data that you're collecting within your organization. It's exciting stuff. We hope you can join us. Visit agileforhumans.com forward slash EBL course. Join us in one of these offerings. We think you're going to love it. Hope you can join us. Use Agile for Humans, the number four to take another 15% off of this course. And uh, we can't wait to see you there. And then it's all right. Neil's telling me everything's going to be great in the future. It's Friday morning for our good friend, Neil Killick. This is another episode of Fixing Your Agile Coaching. This is the show where we bring on some of the top agile coaching minds on the planet. We've gone global with Neil here. And uh, we just let him talk. We them bring their brilliance forward, and I ask some silly questions, and they give us some awesome answers, and it tends to all work out. So, Neil, how are you doing? <laughs> good to see you. Very good, thank you. Yep, we're in the future here in Australia, and uh, a few kangaroos hopping by my window. Uh, <laughs> everything is good. All right, good. All right, so the next uh, few hours are going to be all right. Glad to hear it, Neil. Really appreciate <laughs> it. So, of course, a lot of the, the viewers here, uh, we all kind of run in the similar circles. Of course, uh, Neil and I... We go a little bit back with the no estimates discussions and the slicing and the forecasting and and all of those great discussions. And uh, I think we're both veterans of those battles. Neil being one of the big three, I might have been like the fourth or fifth beetle. But um, he definitely some great thoughts around. I, what I love about Neil is, Neil, your work is practical, right? So you, I think you've taken a very practical, pragmatic approach to the scrum master role and being a product owner and trying to get... Let's just let's get something amazing shipped. And I and I really love that about your work. And and one of your topics that I think is immensely practical, we'll jump right into it. I'd love for you to start breaking down the three levels of story slicing. I think mm. if teams can get this right, like when I've been able to steal a bunch of your your work and put it in front of a team, of course, proper attribution. We don't plagiarize, but whenever <laughs> we're able to like get them to actually right size work, it feels like value just flows. And mm. so I'm wondering if you could kind of, if you could work through these levels, first define story slicing the way that you see it, because I think you have a really good take on it, and then kind of bust through these levels and some of the the applications you've seen, some of the teaching ideas that you've seen, and just how all this works. Is that a, a good mm. enough tee up for you? I think that's, yeah, that's perfect. Um, yeah, look, I, I, think, uh, I, I think I got, well, I, I mean, I've always been interested in story slicing, I suppose, ever since I... Uh, discovered, I suppose, agile ways of working. But um, uh, I particularly, I suppose, found, you know, 
I suppose in my work as a consultant, I work with lots of different organizations and lots of teams. And slicing is a universal struggle. It, it, it's, it's one of those things that every team on the planet seems to struggle with. Um, so I got quite interested in, in, in why that is, because, you know, in my mind, it's quite a, I suppose, quite a simple premise. And, you know, we, uh, you know, we, we, we use slices of things every day. Right. You know, I, I use an analogy of um, uh, an apple um, versus a Rubik's Cube. So when, I, when I'm when I'm when I'm sort of teaching slicing and getting into the mindset of what it's about, um, a Rubik's Cube and an apple you know, both of which, you know, we can kind of break down into smaller bits. But, you know, as, as soon as, you know, a Rubik's Cube broken down into smaller bits, it's kind of useless. And each of the bits on its own is is useless. So each of the parts of the cube is useless. In fact, if you put the Rubik's Cube half together or three quarters together or 99% together, the whole thing's still useless. Um, whereas an apple, you take a slice of an apple, you could throw away the apple and... I, I can eat apple. I can, I, I'm getting apple goodness from uh, from this slice. I, I don't even need to know where the apple came from. I can eat apple by having a slice of apple. So I started to try and think about how I can, uh, I suppose, yeah, I, I suppose frame slicing in a way that pe- that is accessible for people. And you know, so I started talking about the idea that slicing um, is about. Um, creating or becoming more precise about the, the the thing that you want to you want to slice so creating independently valuable options which are more precise versions of the thing you're slicing so and each each slice needs to be um like i say independently valuable meaning i don't need like if i slice one thing into five things i shouldn't need to deliver all of the five things to get the bigger thing i should only need to deliver one of those things to, to get the essence of the thing I'm slicing. So an apple slice gives me the essence of apple. And similarly, a software or a product slice should deliver the essence of a product. So a simple example I, I often use in my workshops and what have you is I talk about, okay, um, Acme Bank is a bit behind the times, but they're, uh, they haven't gone online yet. And the CEO wants to enable their, um, their customers to bank with them online. Okay, so there's a, there's a there's a top level capability there, if, if you like. There, we, we you know we want our customers to be able to bank with us online. Um, and so if we if we if we start thinking about this from a from a slicing perspective, the I suppose there's three terms in that in that statement, uh, which are quite general terms. I call these the seams in the story or the seams in the capability. They're quite general terms that we can become more specific about. So those being customer. Um, banking and online, right? They're all they're all kind of general terms. And if we start getting more specific about them, we say, well, what do we mean by uh, what, what's a more specific version of a banking customer? It could be well a business customer or a personal customer. And then we can get even more specific and say, well, what, what's what do we mean by business customer? Yeah, um, and we can become more and more specific and more you know personal customer. It could be a student or it could be. Um, um, uh, a married person, or it could be, you know, we can use personas and segments and, and anything really to become more specific about what we mean by customer. Similarly, the when we say, right, we want to enable our customers to bank with us online, well, what do we mean by that? Well, there's, you know, you know, what what are some things I do when I'm doing my banking? Well, I pay bills, I, um, you know, apply for credit cards, I transfer money, 
Uh, all of these things are examples of doing banking. So again, we can these all of these things are are, are slices of the of the top level thing, which is which is banking. And then similarly online, right? Well, there's desktop, there's mobile, there's web, there's uh, there's there's different devices like watches and Google Homes. All of these things um, are examples of, of of how we can become more and more precise about online. So what we can actually end up doing is drawing a bit of a map or a tree of, of options. Um, and I actually use um, mind mapping tools for this. Um, so I start with that top level capability, look for the general terms in it, get more and more specific, and then they sort of branch off. Each of those terms then branches off. And what we end up with is, is, a, um, a, is a set of options about how we can actually take a capability from this big, you know, this big globulous enable online banking for our customers, which would typically then go off and turn into a, a big program of work uh, in your typical organization, um, and actually narrowing it down using this slicing technique into you know, some sort of more specific, valuable option that we can use. So we can zone in on a particular type of business customer. We can zone in on, for example, paying bills as a capability. And we can zone in on, say, a mobile app or even an iPhone app um, as, as, as a starting point. And, and, we're, and, and by doing that, so just by enabling business customers to pay their bills on their, on their iPhone is an independently valuable uh, thing to do. We don't need to design a fully fledged online banking system with, which does everything that you would expect an online banking system to do to start uh, delivering value. And, and, in, and in fact, uh, this very act of slicing slicing out these, what I, so these are, what, this is what I call capability slicing. So the first level of slicing is capability slicing, where we're actually talking about things that the customer wants to do in their life that they're 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 not um, things that are specific to what we do as a, as a as a business or or the products we build. They're things that a customer wants to do. So I want to be able to pay my bills online, right? Regardless of who's providing that, I want to do that. So it's a it's a customer capability. Um, when you map these things out, you realize you have thousands and thousands of options in front of you. And of course, this you know we we could actually spend our whole lives building an online banking system. So we have to find a way to narrow down and 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 um, you know uh, find a way that we can get something out there fairly quickly and and don't have to in, you know invest up, you know tons and tons of money to be able to get something uh, that we can actually start deriving value from. Um, so that's basically the, the the concept. So that's that first level capability slicing. So. Uh, really and really, so really, the core patterns there are slicing customers, so into types and personas and segments and what have you. The job, so the customer job, you know, in this case, banking, and and, and you know, the, the the jobs that the customer does in their life with regards to banking, and then platforms, browsers, and 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 or platforms and channels, basically. So channel being how the customer. Um, uh, interacts with uh, uh, these services. So, for example, you know, um, uh, uh, if a, a if a bank has a website, that would be a channel for me to um, do my banking on it, uh, or 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 they have an app, or you know, so it's an entry point, I suppose, for a, for a customer. Um, so we can we can basically map out and slice all of the options out of this, and then narrow our focus. So that's the that's the starting point.
You know, I, I really like this this first level of slicing. And actually, Neil, I think there's a really there's a recent example of this that at least my kids pointed out to me very quickly. Um, it wasn't so long ago uh, that we subscribed to Disney Plus. Mm -hmm. Right. And of course, if you have like my daughter's five, my boys are eight and eleven. Of course, we have Disney Plus like Mandalorian. Like this is the way. Right. And uh, and they said, Daddy, we can't resume a video right when it first came out. And I looked at it. I'm like, are you kidding? Because that's like in Netflix, you can do it. And in mm. Amazon Prime, you can do it. And I looked and they were right. Like if you left a video, you had to start over again. But then if yeah, it was around the five minute mark, it wasn't a big deal. And, and so I started doing a little research on this. And of course, there were some right people noticed this right away. And the Disney um, Plus team, they said, look, we needed to start collecting revenue, right? We have a catalog of videos. We, so we put up a very basic cape. You, as, a use, as a person with little people in your home, you want to play um, Elena of Avalor and get those episodes going so your daughter's happy. Mm -hmm. You can do that. We yeah. don't have the bells and whistles. You can't resume yet. And the chapters are kind of weird, but you can play the video. And you're going to give us the $14.99 a month or whatever it is. And so everybody's happy. And that was that feels like that first level of, of slice. Is that making sense? It is. And um, and this is the thing, right, is that we don't want to, you know, we don't want to keep on pushing out time before we have something valuable. So, you know, if, if, if Disney have kind of given themselves a bit of a, a bit of a time constraint, a bit of a window about when they're going to launch this thing, what they don't want to do is get to that time and say, oh, well, we haven't done the resume functionality yet. So let's, you know, let's delay releasing. They right. could do that. But obviously, there's a there's a there's a big cost in that, particularly if people are expecting Disney Plus to launch. And I imagine they probably would have uh, announced the data when it was when it was going to launch. So, um, so look, there's no it's there's no um, it's never uh, you know the correct answer is that we should do X and we should you know um, not roll out um, this product with this capability or we should roll out this product with this capability. It's always going to be a trade off. But yep. at the end of the day. This is this is the point, though, is that we have limited time, we have limited capacity to be able to, to do things in a timely way. So slicing helps us um, enable enable us to use our scarce time in a way that's going to produce value, yep. um, rather than take a twelve month endeavor, break that down. We could break that down into you know twelve smaller chunks, but if we don't slice. And we take the kind of Rubik's Cube approach. After January, we've done a twelfth of what we need to do. But that doesn't actually bring us any value and it doesn't allow the customer to actually use our product. So we don't want to just break down our in big endeavors into smaller bits. We actually want to slice our endeavors so that rather than rather than it being a 12-month endeavor, we're going to say, how do we deliver the essence of what of, of what we want to deliver in 12 months in one month? Yeah. And Rubik's the Rubik's Cube project is just sprinting over a waterfall. It is. It, it, it is. And, and and the Rubik's Cube in particular is is a is an interesting one because, like I say, it's you can't use it until you've got every single piece. Right. It's not even, you know, some things you can you could use if it's kind of half complete. Uh, a Rubik's Cube you can't use it at all unless it's 100% complete. So that's a, a particularly, I suppose, extreme example. But oh, it's great. It's a great visualization. I mean, you can... Even if that last little bit is not on the cube, that thing's not working. I think, no, that's, I think right. that's a that's a brilliant way to think about it. And I really like level one, right? So we have the personas, we have the capabilities, and we have the medium, 
or the delivery. Yeah. yeah. So how do we get it? What's what's level two? What does that look like? So so level two. Well, so the, I suppose the the broader level uh, levels two and three, I call implementation slicing. Okay. But I break uh, but I break that down. I break down implementation slicing into functional and technical. Got it. So functional slicing is about saying, okay, we're going to pick. So the idea is that so how this would work in practice is that we do this capability mapping. So we get around a whiteboard, or a virtual whiteboard, or a physical whiteboard. We do this mapping out, and we say, all right, where are we going to narrow our focus on? What 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 is the specific customer segment, the specific capability, for example, pay bills, and the specific uh, channel. Uh, be it like a mobile app or whatever, where are we going to focus our efforts? We now take that that capability slice, and now that's this is we now bring this into a an, an iterative development cycle. So, uh, for example, a Scrum team, they're now going to take this capability, and so that the, the the Scrum team's job is to now say, well, how do we bring this to life? How do we actually build something that is going to enable this capability? So we want to enable our business customers to pay their bills uh, on their iPhone. Okay, so we now need to design something that's going to do that. So this is this is so functional slicing is is about taking uh, I suppose the the steps that a customer would need to go through in order to re, to to achieve their job, achieve their capability, um, and for us to find the I suppose the quickest, simplest ways to be able to do that. Um, so that we can, again, we can get something quicker to the customer, which gives us earlier feedback, which gives us earlier value. And then we can, you know, we, we can uh, increasingly become more sophisticated about, about that particular capability if, if, if we want to, or if there's more value in another capability, we can, we can shift over to another capability. So the, 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 the functional slicing would involve you know, a cross-functional team coming together, you know, of designers, developers, testers, et cetera. We'd say, right, well, okay, what does this look like? So let's let's map out the customer journey. So we start with a with, with, with customer at one end, their goal being um, to pay pay their bill. Um, and we and by the way, we might have sliced that down even further to, okay, we're gonna start with BPay. We're just gonna enable them to pay their bills with BPay. Um, you know, because we could enable other ways for them to pay their bills as well, but we're gonna slice it down to that. So, okay, what are the steps the customer needs to go through? Well, there's going to be some basic steps that we need a customer to go through in order in order to enable them to pay their bills with BPay. You know, we're going to need to, we're going to need to know um, what account they're paying from. Who you know the biller code of the of the um, the, com the company that they need to pay the bill for, uh, the amount they want to pay, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So there's a bunch of so so we start mapping out this this information that we need all these steps that the customer needs to go through. So at no point are we actually talking about how we implement this, right? This is this is designing what the customer is going to experience rather than yeah. figuring out what we need to do, right? This is this is the distinction between functional and technical slicing. So functional, we're not worrying about how we're going to do this yet. We're just worrying about the steps that the customer goes through. Um, so we, once we've got those basic steps, we then say, okay, well underneath each of those steps, what's the uh, what are the options of how we can enable that? All right. So, for example, um, getting the biller code from the customer, well, they could um, we could give them a, um, uh, a drop down list of previous biller codes. We could give them a, a box where they just manually enter it or it could be a search fuzzy search box where it searches uh, previous billers. There's all these different ways with different levels of sophistication that you could do that. So, again, 
we throw all these options out uh, in, into our sort of map, and then and then we and now we can put them in order of simplicity. So we say, well, what's the simplest, quickest way of enabling the customer to give us the bill of code? We, well, it's entering. Uh, they just enter it manually. All right. We don't need to know. We don't need to know any. Um, they, don't, they never need. To, they don't have to have used it before, so we don't have any past history of, uh, of billers. They can just tell us what the code is, and that's the simplest, quickest way. So that's uh, so we do that for each each step of the journey. So you know, what's the simplest, quickest way for them to tell us the amount and for the to actually um, submit the payment? So this is what functional slicing is. It's, and, and this is and, and uh, we have some you know excellent tools that ex that exist out there in the wild for doing this kind of stuff. My favorite of which is Jeff Patton's Story Map. Yep. So I use a story map to do functional slicing. It's 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 perfectly suited to it because it's mapping out the steps in the customer journey. It's it's then creating those, you know, columns where we can prioritize within each step and then we can look across and that's our slice. That's our slice through the through the product and then so we say well what's the minimum we need to do to get that first slice of capability done? And that's we've now defined our first increment as a as a as a scrum team. Uh, that's going to be a, a working product that we that is shippable. We could actually release that to, to customers. So that's that's the goal of, of, of functional slicing. Love it. So we're taking this mind map, which is a great tool. Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna make it, which is I and, and again, I think the language you use here is so important. Like it's a it's a series of options, and I think product owners need to realize they have billions of options as you start drilling in the mind map, and then the different derivations and the different it's just so many so many possibilities and i love how you're going to then zoom into one that we've picked yeah a story map but it's not just a story map you've actually brought in ux ui testing yep. you're actually having a more sophisticated conversation than just flow yep. it's also what could this look like and what could the dialogues be and is there a government registry of bill codes that we could actually leverage yep. right so that so water heat electric and maybe you just enable the basics at first. or and, and so you're creating these options in the map, but you're also talking about what it could look like. And, and you're bringing yeah. in these disciplines. The cross-functional team is part of the design, which yeah. is phenomenal, yeah. right? And so I think that's just, it's such a smart way to, to think through it. Yeah. And now once we get there, so let's say we've picked, we're just going to let you pay your, your government water bill. Now let's pretend that water is centralized. And, and so you're going to just partner with uh, with a certain group and just pay your water bill. We've made that decision. What's the last step? What's this third level of slicing that we would look at in order yeah. to finally say, let's make it so? Um, so, the, so, the, so the last step is the technical slicing. But just before I, I, I move on to that, I just want to call out something. You, you mentioned something very, very important, actually. So, um, well, A, the, this is a, a collaborative technique. So yep. we should be leveraging... So even if we're not in a cross-functional team, we should be leveraging those functional specialists and getting them in a in a room together to map this stuff out. It's really, really, really important. But but an, another really, really key thing about this is that a lot of resistance to slicing is that people think that we, you know, we we slice this thing down into this little sort of down in the weeds thing, and we and we sort of we put our blinkers on and then we and we zone in on this thing and we forget the bigger picture. And one of the, the key things about this technique is that the bigger picture is right there in your face. W oh, what, yeah. we're not doing, what we're not doing is creating a bigger picture 
you know, strategizing, you know, product managers strategizing with the with the capability map and then not showing that to the team and then just going, right, here's the we want you to just do pay bills on your iPhone. We actually do all of this together and we we so we have this traceability through from the capability map down through the, the functional steps and the functional slicing through the technical slicing. And you know, tools like Miro um, and Mural what have you make this so easy now and so beautiful to connect all the dots through. So I just wanted to call, call that out, is that slicing isn't about uh, being in the weeds and forgetting about the bigger picture. In order to do successful agile development and iterative incremental development, you actually need to have the bigger picture because you can't possibly iterate on a product unless you see what what the, the what your options are and what you're trying to achieve. So you need to have, same goes with uh, architecture as well. Yeah. We, we, you know, we need to have the, the, the high level architecture um, we, it's just that we make it flexible and, and easily extensible and you know easy to change but we should we should always be able to see it so we can see the wood for the trees really, well, you know, really neil i i think this would be a just such a brilliant uh set of artifacts to bring to a sprint review oh yeah oh right? God, yeah. here's the slice we picked but here were yeah. all the options we have here's how we drilled in here's the decisions we made yeah. you know dear user customer stakeholder help us out like give us your input and I, what a what a, a great way to bring transparency not only yeah. to product vision but also every decision we're making along the way. Exactly, and, and that's one of my goals is to you know transparency is so key to you know success in you know empirical and iterative product development. But often the sort of transparency that we try we try and create and focus on is all around you know sort of are we on track? Yeah. You know, it's all kind of delivery delivery metrics and story points and burn up charts rather than decision making heuristics that we're using and our, you know and how artifacts connect together and showing yeah how we how we're making decisions and where we're at with those decisions and you know our these these story maps and these capability maps you know we can we can you know color in the bits that we're focused on and then that shows everything else is options right it, it, it's not a list of stuff we have to do it's it's all options and we will shift our focus, you know, we will iterate on this one capability until such time as there's more value to shift to another capability. So it also really helps the team get into the mindset of agility, uh, not just, you know, not agility, not just in the sense of delivering small bits and releasing its customers, but actually being able to turn on a sixpence and say, you know what, we've done enough with this capability now. We're now gold plating this billing thing now we've now got like dancing fairies and it, it, it's it's gone beyond just being able to pay your bill we should yeah. really go and shift over here now to enable um credit card applications right Perfect. so um yes all, all of this is in mind when i sort of design these kind of techniques it's it's really really helpful just wish more companies would like open up miro because so many of them lock lock these kind of cloud services down which is yeah. a shame but anyway um jumping on to so Okay, so we've, we've defined our functional steps. We've got our story map. Now it's a case of, okay, well, what do we actually need to do as a team to be able to enable that? So now this is where, you know, the, the, the makers, you know, the, 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 the doers in the team, we now need to, you know, obviously do things like, well, what are the, what are the technical tasks we need to do? But also, you know, do we need to, um, are we are we going to do some sort of lo-fi wireframes, or do we need to, you know, d d draw up some mock-ups? Whatever it might be, it's it's all of the doing of our cross-functional team, the things we need to do to enable that capability. And again, uh, from a, a technical perspective, we can slice. There are patterns for, you know, 
levels of sophistication of, of how we bring uh, a, um, a piece of functionality to life. So, you know, some, some sort of typical patterns within here. So, <clears throat> for example, if we're building a new product, um, we don't need to scale to like, you know, a million users right away. So we can we can slice our sort of um, a, a view on scalability and we can start with lower performing um, uh, technical solutions um, until such time as we actually need to solve for a, for a larger scale solution. Um, security protocols, you know, uh, other kind of technical design decisions, any kind of performance, build versus buy, third party libraries, all these kind of things, we can make uh, conscious choices about how we um, how we can do the simplest, quickest thing right now. And then uh, if we do need to scale up and if we do need to become more sophisticated, we can do that. But we're making a deliberate uh, deliberate choices in, in in how we do that. So um, and so for the technical slicing, it's a very very similar concept for functional in terms of how you do it. Again, now we, we you know we map out the we map out the sort of high level tasks that we need to do. Um, you know, so in this case, it's going to be stuff like, well, we need to, um, uh, the customer's going to need to log in. So we need to get the customer's details. Uh, we're going to need to get their account details. We're going to, you know, when they, when they, end, uh, we're going to need to get the billers from the database. We're going to, all these kind of high level, high level tasks that we need to do from a technical perspective. Um, you map them out in the same way. Um, and f uh, there is a brilliant technique uh, for this uh, specific situation called the hamburger method, which is by the brilliant um, Gojko Adkic. Um, so he, uh, you know, again, it's very, very similar to story mapping and impact mapping as well. They're all the same kind of deal. It's all about mapping out our options in a sort of tree format um, and then narrowing them down and ordering them and, and, and finding that first slice. So he calls it the hamburger method because a hamburger has like layers in it of burgers and lettuce and cheese and everything else. Um, and we want to take a bite through the burger. You know, we don't want just the the patty or just the cheese or just the lettuce. We want to take a bite. So, so the uh, the analogy is you've got your hamburger buns and you've got your your tasks, your high level tasks, and then you've got your options of how you technically enable that um, task. Uh, and then you so you do this as a team. You collaboratively, silently come up with all these options. You you know, with no no boundaries around this, and then you throw them all up. And then as a team, you, you can you can now order them and go, okay, this is the simplest, quickest way to deliver this this slice of functionality. And um, and off you go. And again, you uh, you where there are where there are technical options where there is schedule risk. So for example, let's say we've got, you know, the simplest option is A, um, but uh, and, and and the next most sophisticated option is B. And actually, if we were to do B, uh, it's going to take us a few weeks. There's, there's quite a lot uh, in, uh, involved in that work. But if we do A, it's only going to be a few days of work. This, so again, the importance of this being a collaborative uh, conversation with, you know, the product owner or the, cu or the customer representative um, is that we can openly talk about schedule risk and we can say, look, you know, we, we can do option A, um, but it's, um, it, you know, it's, it's going to, take us a lot longer. If we do option B, um, it'll be a lot quicker now. It would probably mean we'd have to do a little bit of a change later on. Um, so you can have this open conversation about trade-offs and, and, and what have you. And if it's really important to get to market 
you know, a couple of weeks earlier, then the, the product owner might make that decision, knowing that we would, um, if, you know, if, for example, the product does um, uh, scale up successfully, then we might need to make that um, that change later that's going to enable it to scale to more, to more, more customers. So it, it enables you to have that collaborative discussion again. But that's that's uh, that's the third step. You know, I just I keep thinking, Neil, like these step step one and two just sound like great product backlog refinement discussions. Yeah. And when we're finally ready to pull this capability, this idea, this op, I should say option yeah, into option. our sprint into our sprint backlog. This third, this third level sounds like the things we ought to be doing during sprint planning. Yeah. Like during a proper, we're breaking down the work, we're making our technical decisions. Yeah. I just, I wish, um, I'm with you. I wish more teams would facilitate, you know, the re refinement uh, sessions and then sprint planning just like this. Yeah. So that we actually get to a, a whole team understanding of value, whole team understanding of direction, whole team yeah. understanding of options. But I, what I think it also does, which is sorely missing in most Scrum implementations, it actually gives direction to the product owner on how to validate whether or not yeah. what they chose was valuable. Yeah, exactly. The person, yeah. It gives you the target. It gives you the yeah. tech. So you know the cost. And now you can go check and see, did we actually ship something valuable? And if the answer is yes, can we 10x that? And if the mm. answer is no, let's go back to our original mind map and look for another stream of value, right? That's right. That's right. And, and, and it also kind of gives you a sprint goal as well because your, yep. your, um, your functional slice, well, so you've got your capability. So now obviously, you know, it might take us a few sprints to and a few functional slices to actually um, uh, get to the point where we've actually delivered the capability. But those slices now give us that conversation about what our sprint goal is. So we might, you know, might say, okay, this functional slice is our sprint goal. But then we look at it and go, actually, that's a bit much for a sprint. But what we could do, but but what we're doing is keeping the end-to-end -end in mind. So what we could do is say, you know what, we we could hard code this bit for now, which will enable us to get the end-to-end -end capability working. So we can we can demonstrate that progress of, you know, actually contacting the payment provider making the payment what have you but in terms of the customer logging it we're not going to get we're not going to build the customer login stuff so what we'll do is we'll just you know hard code a customer but demonstrate that we can get a customer through to paying a bill all the way through so it enables you again the, the team can have this kind of collaborative discussion about how you sort of slice even further from a functional uh, perspective to enable you to actually complete something meaningful in the sprint so then you might say you know in this sprint, this this bit will be hard coded, but in this in the next sprint, we'll be able to actually, you know, we'll focus on getting the customer logged in, so it's a real customer um, going through this process. So it's a it's a it's a really nice kind of um, yeah way, yeah. You because know, again, it's a, you'll you'll know obviously know this better than anyone, but like how teams scratch around for sprint goals, it's again it's another challenge. Teams got you know they they. they Get all these disparate product backlog items and go. Well, what's our sprint goal? And their sprint goal ends up just being deliver all of these things. You know, whereas your sprint goal should be a meaningful increment of, of product that you're that you're going to deliver. So by doing this slicing, it kind of all, it almost helps you out by answering all these questions for you, kind of as you go. Um, so it means you can spend more of your cognitive effort on actually yeah. building a great product rather than thinking about how you do your Scrum stuff properly, which well, is you know. And thanks to Ken and Jeff, as with, with the Scrum Guide 2020 release, you could take your capability and make that your product goal. 
Mm. And if it takes three or four slices to get to where you want to be releasable, you've got three or four pro- or sprint goals that relate back to a product goal and, yeah. and the stars align and everything's good. So exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Well, Neil, I appreciate this. I think this is a, a really good introduction um, to this idea of three levels of story slicing. I, I, I think we've tied it back to the scrum events and some, some good agile product management practices. I, I think it should be abundantly clear to, to everyone out there. If this is not a technique that your team is using, start investigating, right? Mind mapping, story mapping, the hamburger method, Neil, any other resources that you would recommend? Like I'm sure you've piqued a lot of interest from people. Where should they also look in order to, uh, to really deep dive this? Like, where's your book, Neil? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I haven't actually written that much on this stuff. There, there is a there is a um, an article I wrote uh, called "The Essence of Story Slicing and Agile Development," um, which kind of summarizes the capability slicing, but in particular, and it also um, it also links to a really cool um, kind of uh, uh, graphic which which shows some key slicing patterns. Nice. So. Um, that that's a, a a good place to start, and obviously, you know, read Jeff Patton's um, story mapping book. Read the Gojko Adjkic. Um, he's he's written a whole article about the hamburger method and describes it beautifully. If you Google hamburger method, it will just come up. Um, so that's a well, good place. I'll, I'll link those things in the uh, video description. And yeah. uh, Neil, I just want to say thanks. This is a this is a conversation I've wanted to have with you for a very long time. It's a topic that uh, I mean just. Per, out of pure selfishness, I'm glad this is going on the YouTube channel. But this was what this one was for me. Like I, <laughs> I really love this topic. I wish product owners would really dig into this um, yeah. because I think this can make the life of a Scrum team and even an organization so much better. So, cool. so thank, thank you, you for the intro, and uh, I'm going to switch it over to the end screen and encourage everybody to go check out everything Neil Killick. He's on Twitter. <laughs> he's got he's got a website. We'll we'll link to all of that stuff. Um, really, really great agile thinker. Um, like and subscribe to our YouTube channel. Check out the socials. We, we've been posting a lot lately. Uh, some videos are going to pop up here. The YouTube algorithm, for some reason or another, thinks you're going to like them. I think you will too. So definitely check them out. Um, and thanks for being here. Thanks for your questions in the in the comment section. Keep them coming. Uh, let us know what you think of these Fixing Your Agile Coaching videos. We'll try to keep them coming as long as you tell us they're valuable. Right? We'll validate some value here. And uh, until next time, yeah, try these techniques. Uh, I think Neil's given all of you something really awesome to think about, how to, to break down value, how to get some ideas around product goals and sprint goals and, and what we can deliver. And uh, try it out. Let us know how it goes in the comments. And uh, hopefully you get some uh, delivery success. We'll see you next time. Hey, it's Ryan. If you're enjoying this show and want to take a deeper dive into Scrum with me and Todd, check out agileforhumans.com forward slash training. Be sure to also look at the show notes to subscribe to our newsletter, get a copy of our book, Fixing Your Scrum, and learn more about working with us at Agile for Humans. Thanks for listening and Scrum on!